Welcome to Jenna Brandon's World Podcast. Brandon sits down with Believe Wayne Media team member Brandon Larador. The dude discuss all things Cleveland sports, including Deshaun Watson going to the Browns. Plus, the Cavs and their chance at the playoffs, and they play the Guardian season, as well as they'll dive into some national stuff, including Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins and the new MLB CBA, and who should be the favorite in the NBA playoffs. The Brandon's World Podcast starts now. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, general ages. You are listening live here to another episode of Brandon's World here on this Monday, March 28th, 2022. Today, I have with me a man who I have known for a long time, but a man who I have not had a lot of conversations with, at least in depth about sports. My Believe Win media colleague, Brandon Larador. Brandon, how's it going? Good. How are you, man? man Thanks I'm- for having me. Thanks, I'm doing well. Uh, two fellow Brandon's here getting ready to duke it out uh, in a virtual octagon as it relates to all things sports. We cannot begin this podcast today any other way by talking about the newest addition to the Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson. Now, as we speak during this recording on a Friday, Deshaun Watson is set to have his introductory press conference. He has passed his physical he is officially a Cleveland Brown. You can say all you want about his off the field, you know, kind of stuff that's happening with the 22 potential civil cases. But as I've said, Brandon, you know, over the past week or two here on this podcast, on the field, there's no doubting that Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. So your first reaction to the news when you heard that Deshaun Watson was going to be a Cleveland Brown. I'm just excited that we have a franchise quarterback now. And we're actually going into the season with a top five quarterback, arguably. And that's a very different vibe than what we had in the past. So I have pushed back a little bit. I I think a lot of fans, I think the expectation for this season is going to be, you know, Super Bowl. And I have said, listen, You don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. He could get suspended zero games. He could get suspended four games, six games, eight games. We don't know. And you mentioned top five quarterback, Lerdor. I'm not even sure he's a top five QB in the AFC. I mean, I'm, I'm not taking him over Josh Allen. I'm not taking him over Joe Burrow. I'm not taking him over Patrick Mahomes. I certainly would take him over Russell Wilson just because of the age factor there. But I think, you know, you make a real debate there with Herbert and Watson at four and five. And, you know, you throw Brady in there in the NFC and Stafford and Kyler Murray and a couple of these other quarterbacks. The quarterback market is so great right now. The Browns had to make this move, though. Right. That's what I've been saying for the longest. We need to make uh, a move for a better quarterback because last year we had a bottom three quarterback play and Baker Mayfield wasn't going to hang with the top dogs. Yeah, well, you know, I completely agree with you on that. Now, I I get it for those people that, that, you know, like Baker Mayfield. I think there were a lot of people that, you know, like Baker Mayfield more as a person than maybe a, a football player. Um, now, this has been, Baker Mayfield and I have been on a roller coaster. Uh, four right. years ago when he was drafted, 
Now, remind you, I did want Josh Allen at the number one overall pick. I thought he was the best quarterback coming out of that draft quest. I thought Baker Mayfield was second, so I was fine with the pick. Uh, and then, you know, after his rookie year, I said, okay, this guy could be a franchise quarterback. But once he regressed in 2019, and obviously 2020, he had that good season. But I kept saying there's something missing there with Baker Mayfield. When I watch him go up against Joe Burrow, and when I watch him go up against Lamar Jackson in your division, you cannot be, you know, at a quarterback disadvantage at least four times a year. At least now they may be only at a QB disadvantage twice a year, and you certainly can make an argument, you know, Watson and Burrow are in the same tier at least. Right. Everything had to be has to be perfect for Baker to succeed, and we couldn't we couldn't get down down in games because then we'd really be at a disadvantage. And I I want to have a quarterback that we can actually have confidence in that we can like come back in games. And when he needs to carry the team, we can be like, oh yeah, this is the guy. We're gonna come back. We didn't we didn't have any confidence in Baker. And that that year that we uh went to the playoffs, that was only half a year that he was good. And that was after the Odell injury. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I believe, and I've said this in my podcast now multiple times, I believe even before the end of last season, Andrew Berry, Kevin Stefanski made up their mind. Baker Mayfield was not going to be their quarterback this season. I think they they just have had enough. And credit credit to Barry and credit to Stefanski and Jimmy Aslam for that matter. They went out and they were persistent in getting Deshaun Watson. And again, as much as we can talk about the the off the field stuff, and you know, for those people that are totally against it because of that, I totally get it. You're not going to get an argument from me on it. But the fact of the matter is, at, at the end of the day, you know, Deshaun Watson is the Cleveland Browns quarterback, and it will be worth it if eventually the Browns do grab that Lombardi Trophy. Right. And I was gonna I was gonna say this. If if Baker was the franchise guy or Barry's guy or Stefanski's guy, they would have signed him to a contract a long time ago. Yeah, and I mean to your point, you know, I think there's a stat out there that you know, quarterbacks that are drafted in the first round when they play in their fifth year option, they're not back with the team the year after that. So you know, the writing on the wall was with Baker there. Um, I, I want to transition a little bit to some more NFL-like news because some big bombshells have dropped this season. Right. Obviously, we got receiver movement with Devontae Adams, you know, going from Green Bay to Vegas. Kansas City, you know, obviously turning away Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. Laredor, my takeaway on both those moves is this. If I was both the Packers and the Chiefs, I would have not made either of those moves. You know, I think receivers are very important. I think in today's game, it is an offensive game. I think you need three to four wide receivers in today's National Football League. It's not about running the ball in defense anymore. It's about quarterback play. It's about pass rush, and it's about explosive weapons. And you can make an argument that in today's AFC West, without Tyreek Hill at the helm, can I not make the argument that Kansas City, after going to the Super Bowl two years, and it looked like they could have went to the Super Bowl back-to-back-to-back years at the end of last season, they might be the worst team in their division today. 
Right. I'll say this about Kansas City. They they put themselves at a disadvantage after signing after signing Patrick Mahomes to that big contract because he, that, that, I think that's the biggest reason they couldn't sign Tyreek. And now going to Juju and Valdez Gally, Valdez uh, Gally, the two the two receivers they just signed. I think that's a big downgrade from Tyreek. Uh, Robinson just left. So who do who do they have? They have they have Kelsey. I don't even know who their other receivers are. Oh, Hardman. But that's about it. Yeah, I mean they have Kelsey. But to your point now, when you take away Tyreek Hill and Juju Smith-Schuster, who I always thought was a little bit overrated in Pittsburgh. I don't. But- I don't think. I don't think he's a number one. No, I, I, you can make an argument. He may not even be a number two on a great team. You know, is right. Juju, you know, you look at Tampa Bay or the Rams, Juju could be a number three or number four on those football teams. Um, and so you have that. And now certainly without the speed of Tyreek Hill, you can double team Travis Cozy a little bit. Uh, you, you know, I think it'll limit some of his productivity. Certainly Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are great, but the team that I think we're all underlooking, everybody wants to talk about Denver's big move, obviously, with, with Russell Wilson. Vegas, man. I mean, Derek Carr is a is a top 10 quarterback, I believe, in, in the NFL. They get right. the best wide receiver in football today in Devontae Adams. They have a top three tight end in Darren Waller and one of the best slot receivers in our run pro combined with a with you know a decent running back in Josh Jacobs. They added Chandler Jones, replacing Unique and Dockway. You pair Max Crosby with that. I mean, that pass rush, those weapons. Vegas, if Josh McDaniels is good as a head coach the second time around, that is a scary team. It is. And people got to realize that uh, a couple of years ago, Carr was an MVP candidate, and now you're just loading up on his weapons. I think it can be very, very, very dangerous. And people shouldn't sleep on Las Vegas Raiders. No, they shouldn't sleep on the the Raiders and, you know, even the Chargers. And I made the argument even last year. I've seen Justin Herbert go toe-to-toe now with Patrick Mahomes twice. There's sometimes where I would prefer Justin Herbert over Patrick Mahomes if I had my He's choice so for accurate. one game. Just He's so Herbert. accurate. And they have Mike Williams. They have Keenan Allen. They have Austin Eckler. Uh, you know, that they, they just added Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson on the back end. That's a real ball club. So I, as much as everybody loves Denver, too, don't get me wrong, I love Russell Wilson. But am I taking Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and Corwin Sutton over the weapons in Vegas or L.A.? I'm not. And so this AFC West is so competitive. I, It's really hard to envision. Like I've been saying on this podcast, one of the great AFC teams is not going to make the playoffs. Right. And who do you think that's going to be? Well, you know, if you think about this logically, because I like, uh, so let me put it this way. I think quarterback is so valuable more than it's ever been that if you look at every division last year in the NFL, the top quarterback in that division won every division. And so I think you look at the AFC East, I think Buffalo will will win it again. I agree. I, I think you look at, at the AFC South, 
And I think Ryan, you know, even with Matt Ryan being there, listen, people forget Tannehill two years ago with Arthur Smith was an MVP candidate. He is a combo quarterback. He's put up similar numbers to Aaron Rodgers. They still got Derrick Henry. They still got A.J. Brown. They just added Robert Woods. I think Tennessee is still the best team in the South. I think that they would win the South. So those are your two spots that you're pretty much locked up. So now you go, okay, five spots. We know somebody's going to win it from the North. More than likely, it's going to be Cincinnati. Uh, You know somebody's going to win it from the West. You know, whoever that may be. I think right now, I'm a little bit leaning towards the Chargers in Vegas as the two best teams there. Um, So that's five spots. So six and seven. You know, do you want to put Denver and Kansas City in there? Do you want to put Baltimore in there? I do not think Miami's going to have enough as much as I love Terry Kill. I don't think Tua Tagovailoa is better than Lamar Jackson. You know, I don't think he's better than Deshaun Watson if the Browns get healthy. It's going to be a very interesting uh, conference. Like, a lot of people have been talking about the Colts. Listen, I, I like Matt Ryan. I think he's a he's still a decent quarterback. Is he even better in that conference right now than Trevor Lawrence? I'm not even so sure. I, I I like the Colts. My my uncle's a Colts fan, so I follow the Colts a lot, and I really like the Colts. I would give the slight advantage to Ryan off experience over Trevor. I have to see Trevor without Urban Meyer, and I'll I'll judge him after that. So I think I think he got a a, a bad shake with Urban. So the funny thing is, is last year when I hosted my own radio on Buckshow Radio, I thought at the time the Indianapolis Colts with Carson Wentz, who I thought was going to get a rebirth from Frank Reich. I said, folks, this team, if they get one more great wide receiver, they have the potential makings of the next dynasty in the National Football League. I thought they had a great offensive line, great running back in Jonathan Taylor, Great receivers. I thought Michael Pittman was going to step up. I thought Eric Hill was even better than what he was. And their defense obviously takes, takes away the ball at an extremely high rate. Now, Carson Wentz obviously regressed. And, you know, my guy, Doug Peterson, as you know, I'm a big build of an Eagle fan. I think my guy, Doug Peterson, is going to fix Trevor Lawrence. And I think the Jaguars are a sneaky good team. I'm not saying they're going to have a better overall record than Indy, but could I see them finishing around 500? Absolutely, I could. I, I have a question for you. What do you think they're going to do with Chanel? With Chanel? Yeah, Leviscus. Well, you know, again, it, it depends. He, he could come back. Um, You know, he may not. They certainly did pay Christian Kirk a lot of money. Uh, they brought in Zay Jones, I believe, as well. They brought in Evan Ingram. Chanel, I like. Maybe you can get him back on a cheap deal, potentially. Okay. Um. So, I so re- real quickly, our last NFL topic, I want to pivot to Green Bay. Because I mentioned, you know, Tyreek Hill, obviously, going to Miami. Right. Green Bay wanting to go with Devontae Adams. I thought, and I don't care how much money Aaron Rodgers makes, I said this when the trade went down. If Green Bay does not land a Chris Olave or a Garrett Wilson or a Jamison Williams in this draft, if they do not land 
a stud what Minnesota did when they shipped out Savon Diggs and they got Justin Jefferson back for him, essentially. This trade is one of the worst disasters I have ever seen in my life. I do not know how you trade away the best wide receiver in football right now. They got one first and a second, essentially. They didn't even get two first. Like, Green Bay doesn't even have a number two on their team, let alone a number one. And I don't care what anybody says. Aaron Rodgers can come out and say, oh, I knew about the trade. I don't care. There's no way he's happy about about losing Devontae Adams. Like you said, who's going to be their number one? Who's going to be their number two? I like Lazard, but he's not a number one. He's barely a two. He's not a two. He's not a two. He's not barely a two. He's not a two. He's a three. I mean, again... It's, it's bargain basement shopping. We're seeing this also, too, in Dallas. You know, they let go of Amari Cooper, who's now a Cleveland Brown. He's going to be a nice receiver in Cleveland. You know, they let go of Cedric Wilson, who was a really good slot receiver. I, I don't understand how in a weapons and offensive league you're letting go of receiver talent. Let go of, of a corner. Let go of an expensive, you know, linebacker. You know, Campbell. Linebackers are nearly as valuable as receivers are in today's game. Right. NFL's an offensive offensive game now. You 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 to me you win with a better offense than a better defense nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I think that old expression of defense when championships might be out the window. I mean, I said, as soon as Bill Belichick lost that playoff game with New England at Buffalo this year, I said, folks, that's a real story. Bill Belichick, the best defensive-minded head coach and the best defensive-minded in the history of the National Football League, could not stop Buffalo in negative 10-degree weather. Right. So it, it just goes to show you, when you have a strong quarterback, when you have a great quarterback, and when you have weapons, you know, that Buffalo-Kansas City game, we all kind of thought that that, that was the Super Bowl. Um, you know, Buffalo didn't get enough stops, and that's, and that's their problem. Uh, that's not the rest of the world's problem, but the fact of the matter is, those two guys going head-to-head is a lot more entertaining than trying to get four defensive backs to stop wide receivers. You just can't do it in today's world. That was it. Insane game if you're talking about Buffalo and KC. Yep. That game was bananas. For sure it was. All right. Well, you know, I didn't want to switch gears here now. Let's talk some baseball. Um, before we get to our lovely guardians that don't know how to spend more than $900,000 <laughs> on a backup catcher. Claridor, I don't know if you know this or not, but when it comes to baseball, I am the biggest traditionalist out there. Um, I am steadfast in tradition. I don't like most of these rule changes that they are implementing into this new CBA, you know, banning the shift, the bigger bases, you know, all the stuff they're doing. Though I will say this, I do like the universal DH. I was just going to say that I like the universal DH. I don't like the extra starting with a base runner on the, on the second base in extra innings. I feel like you're giving the offensive advantage and you're not giving the defense a, a, a chance to to get out the inning without giving up a run. So, yeah, I don't like any of the rules. 
the the crazy thing to me is I don't understand why more teams don't bunt uh, with that runner on second base. With nobody out, all you got to do is get the runner over to third base. You can hit the ball up in the air, sacrifice fly, get that runner in. I'm not understanding why more teams aren't doing it. Nobody knows how to bunt now. It's so like, sad. Like nobody. It is. It is. You know, growing up, uh, baseball. You know, there wasn't all all this analytics. I am not an, an analytical guy. Uh, I don't care what your hit rate is or your velocity off the bat or whatever number that they want to get. You know what I care about? Do you get on base? Um, right. You know, these guys nowadays, these guys are in barely above the Mendoza line are getting paid out the wazoo because they can hit homers. They may only right. hit 200, but they're in 25 homers. Right. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's just—it's—it's bad for the sport. And listen, I don't care what baseball does. They're saying they're going to try to speed up the game with this pitch clock. I'm not so certain it's going to matter. They need to market their stars. And, uh, you know, as I've been saying here to many guests that we have had over these past couple of weeks on the Brands World Podcast, if Mike Trout walks down the street of Cleveland or if Mike Trout walks down the street of Detroit or name any other city, how many people outside of Los Angeles are going to know who the hell he is? I, w- I was just talking about this with my uncle. They need to promote their players more because nobody's going to know who their players are. I was actually watching CBD, uh, Cleveland Browns Daily yesterday, and they put two pictures up in the in the uh, facility yesterday. It was Jake from, I mean, not uh, uh, Rom. The golfer and Trout, and more people knew Rom than Trout. Who who watches more? Uh, who watches more golf than baseball? I feel like baseball is more of a known sport than golf. That's sad. That more people know a golfer than a baseball player. Yeah, you know I've been saying too, and it's unfortunate. Because they're never going to do it because the owners just need the money. But I have been calling for have a 100-game season and start a Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day, back to summer, baseball, let's put our best rivalries on, put the best stars on. We know the NBA playoffs are on. We know the NHL playoffs are on. But this should be our back-to-summer Memorial Market. And they just, oh, yeah, let's start April 7th, 162 games, and let's just, you know, not market anybody and put the Yankees and Red Sox every Sunday night baseball, but put the Giants and Dodgers on a random Tuesday night. I feel like that, uh, that year that we had, like, 65 games, that was, that was fun because every game mattered then. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like it was a little too short. Like, I felt 90 to 100 games. Again, I felt that could be right. Certainly needs to be reduced, though. From, from 162. And the other thing is, and I've been saying this, you know, and not to go back to the National Football League, but we know that that sport is king. So everybody should really follow some of their models. But right. the, the NFL, I mean, you look at, let's go month to month what the NFL does. January is postseason. February, Super Bowl. March, free agency. April, draft. May is schedule release, which is so important because, as we know, a lot of times it's not who you play; it's when you play certain teams. The NFL exactly. lets a whole 
The NFL makes a whole day out of their freaking mm-hmm. schedule release. June, you got you know mini OTAs. July, training camp. August, preseason, which, like it or not, it's here to stay. I don't love it, but it is what it is. And then you get, <laughs> you get September to December, the football season. So literally every month almost, and if you want to make an argument, June and the OTAs or whatever, you can eliminate that. Let's say 11 out of the 12 months out of the year. The NFL is relevant. Teams are making moves. It is a year-round sport. Baseball is relevant from what? Maybe June 1st is when you start maybe checking in the, checking into the standings is what I've always said to, you know, if, if your team is bad, you know, you're out of it by the trade deadline at the end of July. And mo- most people, if they watch baseball, don't watch it till October. That's a good point. And listen, it is hard. As much as we love our local announcers here, Matt Underwood, Rick Manning, and Andre Knott, it is hard unless you are a die-hard baseball fan to watch all nine innings and sometimes extra innings, 162 games a year. Yeah, that's a lot of games. I'm a die-hard Cleveland, Cleveland Guardians fan, and I don't even watch all 162 games all nine innings. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, let's, let's get into the Guardians, though. Um, now, obviously... Obviously, 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 there's a lot of talk around here about payroll. They haven't made a move, yada, yada, yada. I wrote this week in my article for Believe Land Media, LLC.com, which the link is in the description of this podcast. You can go check it out. I wrote about all Cleveland teams exhibiting patience in sports. It was mainly about the Deshaun Watson deal, but I also talked to one of Chris Antonetti and Mike Sherman. Am I surprised they have not made a move yet besides a backup catcher who I think just got hurt the other day? (laughs) Absolutely, I am surprised. I thought that they would go out and they would trade some of these prospects and get a better outfield bat. But at the end of the day, isn't this typical of what this team kind of does? We start off the year a little bit slow. The lineup doesn't look great. And then by the trade deadline, it looks like a completely different team than what it was at the beginning of the season. But I feel like this year, like, there's, like, no excitement around the team because the, our fans expected something something to happen at the deadline and nothing happened. What you know, excitement, I, do, what I, excitement I do you have going you into that. the season? Yeah. Um, well, if you go through the projected lineup, again, catcher, you know, Austin Hedges. Now, not a lot of catchers swing the bat well nowadays. Hedges is one of the best defensive guys. We're not really losing anything with Roberto Perez going to Pittsburgh. Again, if Hedges can hit above 200, he'll, he'll be serviceable there, not too worried. You know, you got Jose Ramirez at third base. Um, now, the interesting thing here, really, in the infield is going to be. Are they going to play him in Rosario at shortstop, or are they going to play him in left field? You know, I I love Ahmed Rosario, but one of the reasons why I was surprised they didn't make a move for an outfield bat is because who knows when Josh Nayward's going to be ready, and Bradley Zimmer's been striking out a lot in spring training. I mean, it feels like, you know, I know they got a couple kids in the minors that the they're looking at, but it feels like Rosario could legitimately get some time in left field, and they may put that kid Gabriel Ares, 
who we got, you know, alongside Naylor and Cal Quantro in that big trade that involved Mike Clevenger a couple years back. I feel like they're just going to run it with some of these kids. I feel like switching switching positions for young players is ruining their ruining their development or slowing their development down because they can't settle in on one position. Yeah, I I agree with you. I'm not the biggest fan of that. Um, now I have said if Josh Nayor comes back, I know there's a lot to talk about him because his natural position is first base. I would love it if they could just have Nayor and Wright and Bobby Bradley at first base every day. Because I know Bradley strikes out a lot. I get it. I understand the, the concerns. But when he hits that ball, it goes a long way. It does. So I I look at it, and you have Straw, you know, leading off center field. You have Amid Rosario in the two-hole. Jose Ramirez at three. Fran Ray is at four. Your top four is actually pretty good. It's not terrible at all. I would say it's above average lineup right there in the top four. The problem is when you get to the bottom of the lineup. Bottom half. Yep. And you have, you know, potentially, again, Bobby Bradley, the five hole would be nice. You know, sounds like they're going to have a couple kids, you know, but that bottom portion, whether it be Owen Miller or Gabriel Ares or Andres Jimenez and Zimmer and Hedges, I mean, that's that's not putting any fear into the big-time teams. Um, yet, if, with this team starting pitching, if all of these guys are healthy, and I feel like we have six starters, if you want to include Eli Morgan in there as well, that's what this team is really banking on, is these guys can't all get hurt again. I feel, I feel like with our lineup, we're going to be relying on our top half too much and our pitching – and it's gonna to put too much, too much pressure on our pitching. And like you said, some of our guys are gonna get hurt with with the load of innings they're gonna pitch. Yeah, you know, I'm a little bit surprised too that they brought back Brian Shaw. Um, you know, obviously Emmanuel Quase in the back end. The one guy that I think is key to the bullpen is James Karinchek. Um, We obviously know what happened last year with the tar incident, and don't get me started on that. But, um, I man, Karen Check, he's such a weapon, but it's such a big loss if he is what he is at the end of last year. Right. I, I like his, his, his pitching style. It's so violent. But like you said, I feel like that pitching style is too much at times, and he can wear himself out. Yeah, and I'm I'm worried again that you know maybe uh, what made him so good was that pitching dart, uh, which again don't get me started on. I think it should mm. absolutely be be legal. I don't see anything wrong with it in my opinion. Baseball's been the cheating sport for years. Baseball right. is better with steroids in it. It's better when tar is legal and no one <laughs> talks about it. But it it I mean whatever. Base, base this is why baseball is this. They literally ruined their own sport and what they have. Right. Like I said before, it, it's a dying sport. Even the even the biggest fans are losing interest in the sport. That's saying a lot. It is saying a lot. Well, I do want to transition here our last topic of the day. Let's talk some basketball. Let's talk some Cleveland Cavaliers. As you know, me and Joey Schneider, obviously, 
you know, every week, all things gas podcast, can follow us at Believe Media, LLC.com. Larador, I'm just going to say this off rip. Um, after watching that game last night, and I posted it in our Believe One Media group chat, the Cavs, they got destroyed by Toronto. Um, listen, me and me and my co-host, Shelby Snyder, we both said entering the entering January, this Cavs team felt different. They felt legit. They felt real. Uh, now, after seeing Jared Allen go out and after seeing what this team has done over the last month, this team, and I said it yesterday in the All Things Cash podcast, if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to it, go ahead and do so. This team is almost becoming exhausting to watch. They've gone from fun to watch to what the hell are you doing? They're relying on Garland too much. I completely agree and with you. Karis Levert hasn't – I know he's new and getting used to the system, but he hasn't been – what we expected him to be, and it's putting too much pressure on Darius Garland because when Darius Garland is out, we have no offense. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of stuff about, you know, oh, Jared Allen's out, and that's been really hurting the team, and I completely concur with that. However, Jared Allen is not the number one player on this team. Darius Garland is the number one player on this team. And we have other people like Evan Mobley, like Lori Martin, like Evan Love. I understand the value that J.A. brings to the team, but it shouldn't be like, oh, J.A.'s out. We can't defend nobody. Right. And so my biggest thing with the Cavs, and I said this last night, didn't say it on the podcast. I said it after watching, you know, the game. And I posted it in the group chat. This team, whether you need to give up a marketing at the end of the season, whether you need to give up a love, uh, uh, you know, a Sexton, a Jetty Osmond, they need to go out. And if they need to give up another first round pick or whatever they need to do, go ahead and do it. They need to go get a Bradley Beal type player that is a wing star to a superstar player because every good team has a two or a three that's an all-star caliber player, and that's the one thing the Cavs do not have. Miami has it with Jimmy Butler. Boston has it with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Philly's got it with James Arden. You know, the Bucks have it with, with Middleton, and you could put Giannis in there and on and on and on. I was pounding the table a long, long time ago for Brandon Ingram. Like, I don't know if the Pelicans are going to ever give up Brandon Ingram because I feel like David Griffin has a grudge against us, and I feel like he wouldn't want to help the Cavs. But I've been pounding the table for Brandon Ingram. We need a secondary scorer besides Garland. Because Garland is our primary scorer. And like I said before, we rely on him too much and he's playing too many minutes. He might be young and all that, but you can only you can only take so much. You're gonna get exhausted no matter how young you are and all that. Yeah, and I mean and I like Karis Karis Lavert and I feel like you know he can be that second scorer, but he is not you know, he's a very good player. He's not an all-star type player, I feel like. And I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, well, what if next year Colin Sexton comes back? And I have been 
and uh, you can push back on me if you want. I've been probably the most critical of Colin Sexton out of anybody. I like him as a player. I don't love him. I don't like the idea at all of him and Garland together on the same court. I think you can't have two six-one guards at the same time on one basketball court. Like if Sexton becomes the sixth man, I'd be okay with that. But I'm not okay. I don't think him and Garland work together. We've seen this thing for three years. I I agree with you there. I don't even I don't think at all that. I mean. Colin Sexton should start. I think with our team now, he fits best as a six man. If he if he accepts the role and his new 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 role, but who knows? Colin Sexton might want to come back and start for a team, but who knows if he'll accept that role? Even yeah, though- I mean, again, if we can get him back on a cheap deal and he can be the six man, I'm totally fine with it. I just think next year, like it's clear all over this last month, and I don't know if it's something with the coaching staff. I don't know what JB Bickerstaff's doing or what anybody is doing. They can't stop nobody. And then the, even with Jared Allen, they need one more piece. And me and Joey have been saying nobody can stop the three seven footers on the court. And I feel like at the same time, that is true. I agree with you with this uh, stopping, stopping the seven three seven footers, and I feel like with Laurie marketing, he works so hard defensively that it's taking away from his offense. So he's not giving us much offensively, consistently because he works so hard defensively. I and as much as I love a Coro. I almost feel like, you know, again, he's starting to knock down the three, and I was out on a coral originally at the beginning of the year. I said, you're a top five pick, and you can't shoot the ball. Like, come on, bro, you got to start shooting the basketball. Mm, right. uh, but, like, I almost feel like, again, like, I I almost don't want to give up on the seven, on the three seven-footers because I love watching them play, and I love how they work. But at the same time, you know, it's like, do we have to do that? I feel like in order to maybe get one of these star wings, I, I would definitely do it, and I would give up Lori and Lori Marketing and Colin Sexton and whatever pick to make a move possible. Because, like I said before, we need a secondary scorer, and I feel like feel like with just Garland alone. It limits our offense when we have no offense, or when they clap, when they collapse on Garland, he can only do so much. Let me ask you this question, because I've gotten this question. I've said this multiple times in the interviews we've done. So sorry for the repetitiveness here on the Brands World Podcast, but I want to ask everybody this question, because I've been asked this question a ton. Uh, Joey Schneider, our co-host, has proposed it to me, and I've answered it many different ways. So I'm going to throw this back to you. Okay. This season, I don't know how you were on the Cavs, but going into the year, I thought that they were another lottery pick away. I thought, I, the, Gar- I thought the Garland sex experiment was not going to work. I didn't know how the seven-footer experiment was going to work. I thought they were going back in the lottery. Saying that, the Cavs were one game back in the number one seed in January. Now here they are at the play-in tournament, yet saying that they're going to be you know over 500. So if the Cavs do get eliminated early on in the playing tournament, do you consider that a success for this team? I do, because 
like you said, nobody expected nobody expected us to be where we are now. I expected us to be in the lottery, honestly, in a lottery pick away from contending. So whatever we get out the Cavs this season, I'm happy with. Of course, I don't want to be in the playing because I feel like that is a real playoff experience. I want us to experience a series, a full seven-game series, not just one or two games. But I'm happy with whatever, whatever, however this season ends. So my pushback, and everybody, by the way, has agreed with, with you. And I have pushed back a little bit on it because I said this, as I just mentioned to you. How do we go from literally about six weeks ago, the Cavs being a game back on the number one seed in the Eastern Bleepin Conference to being acceptable about making the play tournament? It's okay. Like, expectations can change for the team, and this feels more of a collapse than a successful season to me at this point. Do you feel like do you feel like it's a successful season because we're we're dying out and it's getting hard to watch? Do you feel like it's a it would be a successful season if we were consistently playing how we were in the beginning of beginning of the season but still but still make the play play in tournament? And no, because again, the expectations going into January and February were the national media was starting to talk about this team as legitimate Eastern Conference Founders contenders, and so were we on the All Things Gales podcast. So to me, the drop-off from winning or losing, like good teams don't do that. Maybe it's possible the Cavs peak too early, but I, I still just – there's something that happened to this team, and I don't know if it's when Markkinen went out. I don't know if it's when Garland went out. Something happened to this team where they're not playing defense, and everybody together, this team used to be so, like, hey, Garland would score 20. Allen would score 15 to 20. Mobley would get his 15. Love, Jetty Osmond, Markkinen, everybody would contribute, and now it feels like it's Garland or bust. Do you? I have a question for you. Do you feel like JB rides with certain lineups too long? You know, I've been thinking long and hard about JB Bickerstaff over the past couple of weeks. Uh, at the time that he got his contract extension, I had said I am all for it. You know, JB definitely deserved it. Uh, I'm eating my words right now. Um, I am afraid that JB Bickerstaff is turning into the next Tom Thibodeau. And that is a defensive-minded coach that rises guys for way too long and the team gets worn down in March. We've seen it with Thibodeau in Chicago. We saw it in Minnesota. We're seeing it now with the Knicks. Mm -hmm. And J.B. Bickerstaff, his lineup, uh, he, <laughs> I can't even speak right now. The, the, the lineup combinations, I mean, Kevin loves starting last night pulling Lamar Stevens for absolutely no reason to start Kevin Love, who's been struggling as a starter all season, makes no sense. Um, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, it's it's very frustrating. Yeah, I I agree. I think he rides with the with certain lineups too long. Like like you said, 
it wears the players down. And his rotations are weird sometimes. Like you said, why would you pull Lamar out of nowhere when he was consistent coming off the coming into the starting lineup and we, he was getting into comfortable in his role? The other thing is, is like, listen, you talked about Karis LeVert. We gave up a first-round pick for Karis LeVert. I get it's lottery protected, but we did give up a first-round pick. You know what that means to me when you give up a first-round pick in basketball for a player? They're should a be starting starter. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like he should, be, he should have been starting a long time ago. Well, again, he got urged and he's starting to get back. But at this point, there's no excuse. With Jared Allen out, there's no excuse for him not to start. You know, you know, wherever he wants to play and where Coral wants to play, they need to be the two and the three every single night until J.A. gets back. There's no scoring pop in our starting lineup. No, there's Besides- not. And now they're starting to double-team Darius Garland. And credit to Isaac Okoro, he's starting to knock down his threes. But if he doesn't, could you imagine where this team would be? Right. So our, our last topic on the Cavs, and then we'll move into some general NBA stuff. I want to give you what, in my mind, Larador, is the stat of the year for our Cleveland Cavaliers. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. This is the Cavs' record this season. By points they have given up. When they give up under 100 points this season, they're 22-3. and When they give up between 100 and 109, they're 14-8. and that combined is 36 and 11. That'd be the best record in basketball when they give up under 109 points a game. When they give up more 110 or more points a game, they're five and 20. And going, going, going back to what you said, I feel like we focused, focused too much on defense that it takes away from our offense at times as well. Yeah, I completely agree with you. All right, well, let's move on. Last topic of today. Want to talk some general NBA stuff. I know you are one of, if not the biggest fan of the leading scorer in the NBA as of today. LeBron Raymond James Jr. Mm-hmm. and Shannon Sharp would say born 1230, 1984 to one Gloria James in Akron, Ohio. Um, listen, Le- LeBron's going to probably win the scoring title this year. It's amazing to watch. Uh, it's a great legacy achievement award for him. I don't really care because in my mind, the Lakers stink. Um, you, you know, that team is hard to watch. They don't play any defense. And really, you know, I don't think this is a lost season for, for LeBron because if anything, I think it's proving that, you know, if he wanted to, he could score 30, 35 points every single year. Well, he a couple of years ago, I think in Miami, he said he can lead the NBA in scoring whenever he wanted to. And look what he's doing at 37 yes. years old. And everybody, everybody's like, when is this dude going to decline? I honestly don't see the decline yet, which is insane. It, it is insane. Now, I, I'm going to ask you this question. Because um, I've had a lot of thought about this. I think the guy who has come a long way this season is John Moran for the Memphis Grizzlies. I did not see this coming 
And man, Memphis, did they ever walk out not drafting Zion Williamson with that first pick? Right. I, I, I'm going to throw this back at you. Did you see a little bit of AI in John Morant? You know, I've been seeing a lot of the comparisons, and I'll, I'll say this: I'm not a comparison guy. Okay. Um, I think comparing. I think comparing two different players, like I think comparing LeBron and MJ, is unfair. I think you know I do see potentially a little bit of AI if you want to compare the size to those two. But I think you know John Morant's athleticism is better at this point than Allen Iverson's was. Um, I think Jaw, I'm worried about his health a little bit because his knees are already banged up. But that dude, he is arguably, you want to talk about fun to watch? He might be the most fun player to watch in the NBA. I agree. And like you said, injuries scare me scare because me he's an aggressive and fast player. And th- that's the same thing that caught up to D. Rose. His uh violent attacking and speed and it all caught up to him and he got injured and it's even though he's he's bounced back and had a great career regardless of his major injuries early on in his career I don't want that to happen to any players especially fun players like John Moran last question for you for today when I ask you NBA champion 2021-2022 NBA season. What do you think right now could be the finals matchup and who do you think is walking away the champion? I have the Bucks and the Suns. I okay, want to so see you have a finals rematch from last year. I want to see the Suns take it. I want to see CP3 go out with a ring. Chris Paul, man, I gotta tell you what, he is uh very controversial player. You know, my thoughts on him is he's always been a great player, but never got that finals ring. And until he gets that finals ring, uh, in my opinion, um, you know, he's going to get a little pushback from me because at the end of the day, I think it's all winning championships. And uh, he has not done that. Though I will say Phoenix has been the best team in basketball all year long. Though I think in the East, you got a tough uh, Philadelphia team now with Harden and Embiid, and I, I've been saying this too. Now that Kyrie Irving is allowed to play in Nets home games, Brooklyn, I don't know if they can beat Milwaukee or Philly in a seven-game series because so, so it depends on really who they match up with, but that team is going to be scary. I can't stand Philadelphia. I don't like their playing style, and I can't stand James Harden. I do like Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, so I, I want to see them go as far as they can. But I don't, I don't trust James Harden. He hasn't proven, proven enough to me in the playoffs to believe in him. No, that's fair. And I said the same thing about Giannis until last year. I mean, listen, the Bucks finally broke through. It's the same thing I've been saying about Chris Paul and Phoenix. It's one of the reasons why I like the Suns. Do I trust them right now? No, I don't, because none, nobody in that team has broken through yet. Is there is there any team in either conference, like sleeper team, that you want want to see go far, far? Uh, from? You know that that's a good question. You know, if the Cavs are are eliminated, I would say Philly. Personally, I do like Joel Embiid. I think he deserves a championship. 
Um, you, you know, in the, in the West, um, I want know, to see Memphis, Memphis. I think is a really fun story. Um, I also think Golden State. You know, potentially, and I know we had that great rivalry with them. But if Curry and Draymond and Clay are all healthy and back, that'd be a really interesting story to see if they could come back in a more balanced conference and win the championship again. Right. I don't know, man. I I always I I want to see a sleeper team do something in the playoffs that well we we did sort of have it last year with. Phoenix, but again, they didn't come out on top. Well, we kind of had it with Atlanta last year, you know, Trey Young and them, you know, surprising Philly and going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I have always been a belief, though, Lerador, and I will say this. I'm not the biggest fan of sleeper teams making the finals. It's fine if they can win a series here and there, whatever. For the NBA Finals, give me the best two teams all year. Give me the best players on the court. It's why I didn't mind LeBron in 10 straight final. Why I didn't mind Cavs going up against Golden State four straight years or even Golden State making it five straight years. Because let's face it, they had the best players on the court, and that's what we want to see in championship rounds. Right. Now, now I, have a, I have a question for you. Who do you have as your MVP? Joel Embiid. Um, it's, it's not Jokic. It should have been Embiid last year. He got robbed. To me, and Joel Embiid, before Ben Simmons even got there, he was carrying the Sixers team. He is without a doubt. Um, I think, you know, Devin Booker being on the best team, I think he's vastly underrated. Um, you know, I'm not going to give it to Giannis again just because he, you know, he always puts up great numbers. It's kind of the standard. I will say this, as I've said, LeBron, if the Lakers had a better record, could win MVP, but obviously he's not going to get it just because of the Lakers' record. So I think Joel Embiid should be your favorite right now. I agree with JoJo. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Thank you, Wardor, so much. I'm going to go and let you shout out your social media real quick. Um, my my social media on Twitter is Brandon Lairdor. Brandon, and then my last name, Lairdor, L-A-R-A-D-O-R. All right. Well, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. It's always fun going on here talking sports with you. You're welcome to come back at any time. No problem. You can have me whenever. Thanks. And as always, guys, make sure to follow us on Twitter at real underscore B word. Follow us personally at Brendan Lewis underscore seven. We'll see you guys next time on the Branch World Podcast. Peace.